Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans. Welcome back. Hey. Welcome back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Welcome back to We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer. the week for us desperate housewives super fans indeed tell us christy why has it been such a week for you it's well summer are we starting with me today my moment of desperation yes we are wow what a change up since i'm going to the southern hemisphere (laughs) this lot listen ever since i touched down in new york city august 12th I have been in X Games mode. I haven't really had a single second. I've had to be going non, like anytime I do have a moment, I have to be fully nonverbal, like laying in bed, shades closed. I don't even remember where I left off last week. So I'm going to Australia. Okay. When this comes out tomorrow. And um, I, in the meantime, my roommate had to move out because she got a job out of town. I had to find a new roommate. Thankfully, my friend can move in. Now my mom's here. I had to see my brothers again. Like, there's just... And when I say my brothers, I mean the Jonas Brothers, you guys, by the way. I'm an only child. So there has just been so much going on. And I don't really have a single second to myself ever anymore. And I don't even really know where to begin on what my moment of desperation was in the last week. You know what? Let's give them a fun one. I'm going to give you a fun moment of desperation, you guys. Um, I think my favorite moment of desperation this week was last week when I was walking myself into the Jonas Brothers (laughs) after party after their Dodger Stadium show. No badge. I was on a list, but I didn't have like a physical badge I was supposed to have because they ran out. And Nick Jonas was watching me walk right in. And I was fearing for my life because as I'm walking in, venue security's like, badges, badges, get your badge out. And I just pointed forward and kept walking as I do. And in my mind, I was like, how embarrassing would it be if I'm walking into this party and I'm being chased out by (laughs) Dodger Stadium security? in front of Nick Jonas but thankfully it didn't happen and then I had a great time good what was your favorite part of the experience um I don't know it was (laughs) you're like didn't have one actually hated it (laughs) I hate I hated every single second I was there oh you know what I think my favorite moment was running around talking to all my little friends I have in there while Nick just watched me know everybody he works with I'm in your walls. 
<laughs> I'm in your walls, Nick. What was your moment of desperation this week? Do you ever have one of those days where you just can't seem to win? Oh. <laughs> I'm going to crawl through the computer screen and put my hands around your neck and squeeze <laughs> so hard. <laughs> myself I wasn't gonna cry (laughs) (laughs) have you ever had those days where everything that happens to you is just minor inconvenience after minor inconvenience after perhaps a major inconvenience after minor inconvenience so a few days ago I don't remember what day it was but I went to Trader Joe's because I had heard on good authority that eating three large carrots a day is the key to beautiful glowing skin. I would like to have beautiful glowing skin. So I thought, let me go get some carrots, go to Trader Joe's. It's busy and there are no carrots. Like can't find a single carrot. I said, this is a grocery store, isn't it? I don't know. But since they didn't have them, it was a nice enough day where I said, let me walk over to Whole Foods. And I go to Whole Foods and I get my massive bag of carrots and I do 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 back across town. And then it's lunchtime. So I say, I'm going to go get a grilled cheese from Starbucks, which is my favorite meal at the moment. And when I went to Starbucks, they didn't have grilled cheese. Now I know how trivial this sounds. Oh, big deal. They're sold out. But let me tell you, I'm not currently a working woman. <laughs> So when I show up having paid $7.82 for a grilled cheese. Wait, you paid for it and then they said you didn't have, they didn't have it? Yeah, but they said I could substitute with anything else I wanted. And I felt so awkward that I just took the first thing they offered me, which was the ham and cheese croissant, which I did not like. <laughs> and not for nothing, but the value of a ham and cheese croissant is only about $4, $4.50 maybe. So I had been shortchanged $3. <laughs> so I get on the Starbucks app and I try to contact support. It takes approximately 20 minutes to load Starbucks support. I said, this is ridiculous. And then I finally get someone on the line, a representative. And I'm going back and forth with this person and they're asking me, Great. What was your order number? What time did you order? What was the location? Has this happened before at that location? I was like, I just want a partial refund. The people that work at my Starbucks are delightful. They're always very accommodating. I'm just too awkward to ask for what I want. He says to me, we need to do this in person to get you any kind of a partial refund. What? <laughs> I was like, does the Starbucks support rep want to meet me in a back alley on Bowery? I'm so <laughs> for the handoff. <laughs> so then I decide to go to Target, pick up a few things I need. And I get to Target and I'm bopping around and I get myself Annie's mac and cheese. Haven't had it in a while. Can't wait to have it again. And when I come home, I start to make my mac and cheese. And I also picked up milk. 
fresh milk because my refrigerator wasn't running. And then I remember, oh my God, my refrigerator isn't running and I don't have butter to make this macaroni and cheese. So it was just one thing after another, after another. Why isn't your refrigerator running? Couldn't tell you. I asked the superintendent to come up and he did. He took a look at it and he looked me in the eyes and said, I can't do anything about this. (laughs) And then my cat threw up three times and I had to rush her to the vet. $580 later, she is thriving. I like how you were stressed over $3, (laughs) but then you go and spend $580 at the vet. At that point, $3 is not make or break, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sounds like you had a day. That was desperation day this week. Yeah. Well, Mercury's out of the retrograde. So maybe our desperation, our weeks of desperation will soon be over. Let's get into the episode. This is episode 10 and it's called Come Back to Me. So we start off, Miss Maisie Gibbons is back. And we see her dark, dirty little secret. She is the Wisteria Lane prostitute. She just fulfills the needs of all the dads on the lane. This episode really starts off strong. Like, we are just right out of the gate. Here we are. Agreed. Um, She's talking to the dad from Even Stevens. I wrote that, too. The dad from Even Stevens is there. He's one of her clients. Yeah. And basically, like, they're just talking to, like, give us some backstory on what she's doing and she basically is like when my husband got kicked out lost his job we got kicked out of the country club this one woman she looked at me with such pity and the funniest little thing happened her husband became one of my clients and then we find out it's Brie and Rex she is so satisfied with herself in this moment I think she is so incredibly jealous of Brie yeah definitely like I would be too, I guess, from the outside. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I'm just, I'm surprised Maisie's hair hasn't gone green from all that jealousy she feels. I know. I can't believe she's not like spreading STDs around Wisteria Lane. She probably is. I bet Mark Cherry wanted to do that as a subplot one episode and Standards and Practices was like, absolutely not. (laughs) No, literally, because that would be such an amazing, that would have been so good. Like that's how people found out about Maisie Gibbons. In the next scene, we see Carlos is being tried at the Fairview County Court, and things are not looking good. The prosecutor comes in hot, and she says we want bail denied and for Mr. Solis to surrender his passport, but it comes out that the passport has been misplaced, so we just think, oh no, Carlos lost his passport, can't find it. And we also learn exactly what the crime was it was not money laundering like I thought it was um imported goods manufactured by slave labor right right so that's pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) it was all Tanaka don't get it twisted it was just Tanaka Tanaka However, I mean, I guess we'll get to this later, but literally as Carlos is getting arrested, he's not even shocked that the cops are there. He goes, oh man, he set me up. It's like, wouldn't, why do you know, like like set you up how? Like, wouldn't you just not know at this point if you were innocent? Right. So. Yeah. He, um, he said that in front of the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you say can be 
will and curled against you in court. I'm not a cop, so I don't know how to say that, nor have I ever been arrested. We get to Lynette feeding her kids, and she has this nanny, but she doesn't really want to give up control. Shocking. And, yeah, and then nanny Jennifer Gardner is like... <laughs> Gardner. <laughs> me take care of the kids and then that's like okay fine like girl you got what you got everything you want to not take care of these children Lynette is somebody who is never satisfied no you will never be satisfied, satisfied. I knew you were gonna do that I'm not throwing away my sugar then we get to Susan's house they are having Chinese food with Mike Julie is taking a bunch of extra food for her hostage upstairs I have huge ick for Zach in these scenes. He makes my skin crawl. Also, like, how does Julie, like, Julie's so smart. Why Julie! Julie! Why is there no (laughs) alarm bells? She's also fully being ignored by Susan and Mike. Like, they're, like, noodling in the kitchen, and she's just, like, making her own dinner, making a second serving for her hostage. I love Mike Delfino. Yeah, same. So much. This episode is very Mike heavy, but I want more all the time. I want him in every scene. And then, like, Carl can't take Julie for the weekend. And Susan's like, ugh, Julie has to be home. Because she can't, like, spend quality time with Mike, Michael Delfino. Um, Then they look like they're about to fully hook up at the dinner table. What's wrong with that? Julie and the little freak are upstairs. It's a big house. I guess. Hey, Julie, don't come downstairs. <laughs> hey, hey, Julie, I'm putting Julie? this gate at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> Do not cross it. And then we go to Bree. She's sitting there drinking wine and playing solitaire. Rex comes in. He's back to being terrible and insensitive. He and... says something so out of pocket. What does he say? I'm here as our children's father, not your husband. Like, you are choosing to divorce. Can you be nice about it? He's just so selfish and disgusting. Probably a Virgo. I'll look up his whole birth chart, babes. I got that on lock. Please find it. Yeah, can do. I wonder if it's on his spoiler tombstone. Maybe his (gasps) birthday's there. So I bet it's on a Wikipedia. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. I'll find it. Or if anybody listening... Happens to know Rex Van de Camp's birthday and birth time. Please, we need to do his chart. Wait, somebody wrote down, um, or no, I saw, like, I think it was, like, Wisteria Women or something posted a prop of Susan's driver's license. Oh. I was going to screenshot it because I was going to talk about it last week, and it had her birthday because her birthday was recently. So do we have Rex's driver's license? I need to know when his birthday is. Okay, listeners, this is on you. She smells his jacket and smells Maisie on it. And she's like, wow, I can't believe you were with another woman. And then and then Bree says something really iconic. She says, Andrew, Danielle, daddy's going to fornicate for us. <laughs> I thought that was so <laughs> funny. I cackled. Miss <laughs> Marsha really actually does have all the best lines on this show. I can't believe she didn't win an Emmy for this for this show. That's actually really disgusting, and I'm going to have to call the Television Academy about it. Okay, let me know if you need any backup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're here in October, meet up at the um, Television <gasps> Academy in North Hollywood. 
Wait. We're going to January 6th, the TV Academy for Marsha Cross's Emmy. They're going to have better security than the Capitol, though. <laughs> no, definitely. Then we see Edie banging on Martha Hoover's door. Edie's starting to worry. I don't know why I wrote this, but my note is she is so Christy. I know why. I know why. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> Because Mary Alice says Edie didn't like worrying and gave her wrinkles. Oh, yes. And I wrote so true. <laughs> so then we get to Gabby bullying Yowlin and she's like, I'll give you three weeks pay. And didn't we like do math? And she's just like, doesn't get paid very well. So what's three weeks pay? Like $200. But that also took you further back then. We discussed that. Yao Lin's like, can I check your bank to make sure this is going to work? <laughs> Yao Lin does not appear terribly frequently, but when she does, she makes it count. Yeah, good for her. She needs to stick up for herself. And then her card gets repossessed. That's actually so stupid that the government can just take your stuff. It like, is. Who cares if it was... Okay. If my money's illegal, fine. But did I legally purchase something? No. It was bought. It wasn't stolen. Was it stolen money? Yes, but it wasn't stolen property. So let that be the car. <laughs> yeah. Whoever the car was purchased from was paid. So right. get a grip. This is what I've been saying. I think this is another another drop in the bucket of my argument about just print more money. If you're the U.S. Treasury, you have that power. Just hit turbo on the printer. That's all I'm saying. So true. So true. In March of 2020, someone was trying to explain this to me. And I was like, no, inflation, supply and demand. But now I'm like, you're right. We all need to listen to Summer Moran and print money. <laughs> Help me. Brie and Lynette are together. Lynette finally has free time. The nanny is taking care of the kids, but she's still obsessing over them. And Brie is like, well, why don't you just get a hidden camera? Trust is overrated. Lynette considers it, but she doesn't really like the idea. And then she asks how things are with Brie and Rex. Finally, Lynette's asking Brie about herself. Every time we see Brie and Lynette, Lynette's like, do this for me. Do that for me. I need a favor. I need a favor. And she's never asking about Brie and Brie's going through it over here. Exactly. It's about time. But Bree says that they're just fine, which is obviously a bold-faced lie. Then Susan calls Mike to come over for a nooner. And... <laughs> a nooner. <laughs> a nooner. And she looks so cute in her light blue lingerie. Like, I just thought that was such a pretty color on her. Susan's actually adorable. I love her. Um, and Zach is watching Susan prep, and it's really, really creepy, actually. Uh, yes. And then she hears noises, because Zach is like, I need to get out of here. Um, but stupidly, he like he should have just hid in the closet. Or he had options. Yeah, he didn't have to leave. He could have just hid under the bed. Nobody's going to go in there. Nobody's going to look for you. So he's trying to get out right as Mike's trying to come up. Susan ends up hitting. She hears a bunch of noises. She hits Mike over the head with like one of those some type of exercise thing. And then they see Zach. I burst out laughing when she hit Mike. No, it's so good because he's like told to come upstairs and then she goes whack, whack. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> no, 
No, because imagine like your friend invites you over or something. It doesn't even have to be like a romantic thing, but imagine <laughs> you're going over to see somebody you actively want to see. <laughs> and and the moment you go to see them, they just hit you so hard. You know what it reminds me of? Every time, like, you know, when you will be in a different room and you'll all come around. Wait, what? I come around a corner or something and I see you and I go, <gasps> Yeah. Like every single time. Or in New York, you'll like ring my doorbell and I'm fully expecting you to come. And you're so, <gasps> but I don't do it with anybody else. My favorite was when I think it was nighttime. You had already gone to bed, but then for some reason you came out into the living room and I just happened to be on my phone standing in the kitchen <laughs> and I wasn't making any noise and you look up and you screamed <laughs> I was like you know I'm staying here I don't know why because <laughs> look at Macy you know she'd be in the kitchen sometimes and I'd be like hey <laughs> good to know it's just me I see summer and I go <gasps> Jump secure every time. So then Julie gets home from school. Susan's in a robe and her heels. I don't. Your closet's right there. You you could have changed. She's feeling herself, I guess. <laughs> then Lynette puts in the nanny cam. She's having so much fun with it. Wait, did you notice what she put the nanny cam in? Yeah. Remind me. It was a toad. So, <laughs> wait, was that in like the Fantasyland gift shop? Did they get it to commemorate their time on Mr. Toad's wild ride? But they were escorted out. That tells me that the lore is this. <laughs> Mr. Toad's wild ride as a concept holds a special place in the heart of Lynette and the heart of Tom separately. So when they started dating... That was something that came up when they first were getting together and getting to know each other. And that's when Lynette said, oh my God, this is my soulmate. Because how many other people have such a deep emotional connection to Mr. Toad's wild ride? So the first time they went on the ride, they bought that. And the second time is when they were like, well, this ride is even darker than I remember. So I think we can get a little frisky. And that's when they got thrown out and banished. That makes sense. Because it wasn't even like a, like a frog. Like it looked like it was Mr. Toad. It was Mr. Toad for sure. Yeah. Like they definitely in Desperate Housewives World had that in Mr. Toad gift shop that only existed in this reality. Correct. And I have to say her strangling the teddy bear was so funny because of the music underneath it. It was almost like Mickey Mousing. Yeah. It was very, um vaudeville yes yes quite vaudeville. um then we go over back to mike susan zach julie i just wrote zach mike is such a natural dad Aww. like he's like let me know if you need anything and susan's like you're going home you're going back to paul so mike's like i'll walk you over and then susan cannot parent her child correct Mike brings Zach back to Paul and he gives him his card and he's just like, hey, if you need anything, like, give me a call. And the way my heart 
swelled when Paul came out and just hugged Zach. I, I actually wrote, I'm so sad over it because it's giving prodigal son. It's giving Paul as an innocent man. I it's, wrote Paul as a caring father. Yes. <laughs> he just, he is the father of a sociopath. It's not his fault. He knows what he did. It makes him sick, but he cannot tell. Yeah. This man is, he's, that's an innocent man. You're so true. So true. I hate the Rex and Maisie scenes. I'm sick. I know. For I those who can't scene. see, I'm gritting my teeth right now. She looks like that emoji. They can't oh. see. <laughs> <laughs> this is audio. They can't see that. <laughs> it's just, I hate it. I hate everything about it. And Rex is talking about his marriage to Maisie. And she's like, sounds like you still love Brie. He goes, I guess, but she doesn't fulfill my needs. And she goes, well, have you said anything? And he goes, no. And he's just like, Ugh. it's chilling, chilling to see him like that. I hate it. When he hits the floor and she walks on his back, that gave me the ick for some reason. Then we go to Gabby bullying the lawyer. And he's like, they're going to take all this stuff that they might think um, was bought with stolen money. And she's like, this is from my modeling days. Uh, how much money did she make as a model? I think she did pretty well for herself. Because models, she must have been like supermodel because most models don't make that much money. Maybe she was just working a lot because she's also on the shorter side. Yeah, no, she must have been like, well, I think she was like on Vogue and stuff. So she must have been like a very famous model to be affording all like all of these things. Then she decides to hide all of her things in Bree's garage because they can't take what they can't find. And she she needs to start a moving company and have yeah. it solely just be her because she pushes everything down the street. She has that core strength. She pushes a she does. her entire living room fully down the street to Bree's garage and puts her entire house in there. While Gabby is moving everything, the music underneath just accentuates the scene so much. I wrote in re it really enhances the craziness of what is going on. Our little intro music is called Housewives Tango. And that's exactly how to explain the soundtrack to the show. Yes, yes, for sure. Cut back to Rex and Miss Maisie. Rex. And it is... Sex with Rex. I hate that that would be the name of his podcast oh no <laughs> rex vandekamp and carrie bradshaw's podcast this is network tv so we just see a it's just a shot of her family photo which i think is absolutely hysterical just to the sounds of sounds of rex sounds of rex's grunts and moans and then finally his thud and Maisie has to call the ambulance yes we hear him have a heart attack and then we see a shot of him handcuffed to her. Rex got his just desserts. I love seeing him suffer. <laughs> then in the next scene, we have Brie going through Gabby's stuff that is stored in the garage, and then she gets the Rex call. So she goes right to the hospital, and she checks in and says, I need to poke my head in. I'm his wife. And the nurse is like, oh, um, okay. I was thinking of somebody else. Just give me one second, because she knows that Rex checked in with another woman. So Brie goes around the nurse's station to grab the clipboard and she sees Maisie Gibbons signed him in. 
Did Maisie have to use her real name? I don't know, but at at that moment, she was probably not thinking about it either way. That's true. Yeah. It's emergency times. Yeah. She was like, just get this man in here. I don't care. Then we cut back to Lynette. Claire lives at the house. What? Did you catch that? Claire's a live-in nanny. I didn't realize that. Yeah. She, cause she's like fully in a robe, like going to bed. No, I know for a fact that the Scavos cannot afford a live-in nanny. The Scavos don't have the space to house an adult that's not their kid. Nor that is hysterical. Nor adult would I want to be living there full time. Right. So that's crazy. But yeah, as a nanny, you just get room and board and you get paid. <laughs> so we see Lynette watching the video of Claire from earlier that day and Lynette is like "Ooh, she might be doing her job a little too well it occurred to me that Lynette has the d story again oh I was thinking that earlier she always has the d story like this is the least everybody else something crazy is going on and Lynette's we Felicity Huffman deserves way better eventually well I guess she had a lot with the ADHD medication but maybe she just needed some downtime (laughs) I guess but yeah, it's just like very D story. Um, but also like Lynette, what do you want? Because you don't want to raise these kids alone. And then somebody's doing a really good job and you're like, oh no. Then I said, Julie and Susan are so me and my mom. <laughs> I think they're just talking and Julie's like, you can't choose now to parent me. I pay the bills. I am the responsible one here. Correct. Correct. Not pick and choose when all of a sudden... Like, I'm making my own decisions. And, I mean, she had a good point. Like, we've been saying this from the very beginning, that Julie is the parent in this dynamic, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Julie is standing up for herself, and she's making it clear that Susan relied on her so much after the divorce that Julie has become self-sufficient, and she is the one taking care of Susan most of the time. Next, we see the people in charge come to take Gabby's stuff, but she has hid everything that she needs to So they basically walk into an empty home. They can't take what they can't find. Good for her. I just wrote, I hate the government. Like that's her (laughs) stuff. She did nothing wrong. Let her enjoy her life. Come on. Exactly. Come on. Gabrielle alone. So then the kids want to be with Claire instead of Lynette. They keep asking for her, which is a very like normal thing with nannies. I feel like. Yes. Like they will, they will always respect the nanny more so because like that's not their mom even in my nanny days redacted would just put himself to sleep i'd be like you're going to bed and he'd be like okay and his mom would always be like how how do you do that i'm like because i'm not his mom yeah it's it's different knowing that your parent can never stop loving you but this other person that came in to take care of you doesn't owe you anything exactly then Gabby visits Carlos in jail. He feels so bad about leaving her to deal with everything alone. And she says that she loves him and she just wants him to come back. She announces very publicly so that the guards know she's about to kiss her husband. And while they kiss, he tells her exactly where the passport is and to, quote, burn all the papers. <laughs> and she's like, why? And he just goes, just burn the papers. I think this is such a beautifully constructed scene. And for Mr. Mark Cherry or anybody in that writer's room to be able to see this in their mind's eye, I think it's just such a clever 
way to have this information come out. It's so great because it says so much with saying so little. Obviously, he knew it's not him just being expository, being like, oh, I knew about this, this, this. No, no, no. Just him saying burn the papers. Right. Like, it just, it's everything that we need to know. It's great juxtaposition. The dialogue, the action. Oh, I'm all about it. Now I have a question. Yes. What is this timeline? And the reason I say that is because Edie goes to see Lynette and she asks her about Martha. And Lynette's like, oh, I haven't seen her in days. Days? Days? <laughs> what? What? I think every episode is probably like a week. It's Mark Cherry math. We can't. Mark Cherry math. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Edie's like, no, like I really need to get into the house. So where has she been staying? Well, when she left last time, she was very adamant that she wasn't coming back because they had gotten into the fight over the $40. Right. So we don't know where she's been living. No, she didn't say. Where, oh, do, you, so where just, do you think she's been? I think she's been couch surfing with a bunch of men. That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Then that's probably what happened. Yeah. We can't both be wrong. Then we see Susan and Mike talking about Julie. Susan owns up to it. What does that mean? Oh, Susan, I wrote Susan owns up to it. And what I meant by it is the fact that Julie had a point and that Susan relied on her so much after the divorce. And Susan also says that Julie is 13. I wrote Julie is 13 in all caps. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got it. I don't remember what ages we said. I think I said 12. Yeah, you said 12. I thought 11 or 12. <laughs> no, but she's 13. And then he's like, you don't have to talk to Julie. You can talk to me. And she goes, who would I talk to about the like, plumber I have a crush on? I'm like, well, maybe if you had said that. <laughs> episode one, we, we would be, you would, it would be different. Bree shows up at Maisie Gibbons' door and she's like, I have to talk to you. Then we cut to Paul and uh, Zach having dinner. Paul is trying his best. I did in fact write that he's so baby girl. I just really felt for him in this scene. I felt like you. You love saying Paul's baby girl. You love he saying is. these wisteria men are baby girls. The he's older really they are, the more baby girl they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, so happy he's home. He's trying to protect him. And um, and Zach's like, oh, I started to remember. I started to remember in Silver Silver Quest. And um, and Paul's freaking out a little because he's like, oh no, what are you remembering? My son's really weird. Did you just say Silver Quest? Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's Silver Crest. <laughs> commented <laughs> hey guys make sure you comment on our Instagram. I cut that out so they don't know but I keep saying that like I was literally just talking to a co-worker at work and I was like yeah I commented on her phone <laughs> so then Bree's confronting Maisie and Maisie's breaking Bree's heart she's like no, Rex still loves you, but he just comes here, blah, 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 blah. And um, Bree's like, what kind of operation are you running? 
And then something crazy happens. Maisie's like, I bet you hate me. Like she's been she's been wanting to get back at Brie for so long. And Brie just goes, I don't hate you. I pity you. No, that's incredible, like full circle writing. I was freaking out a little bit. Yes, yes. It gave, oh, see, I'm, I have a chill right here. You can no, see it. No, I have chills. I have chills because in the beginning of this episode, like she you can tell she just hates Brie and wants to get back at her because of her pitiful look. And then she doesn't even hate her for this. She's like, no, I feel really sorry for you that this is what your life has come to. Imagine having such a strong vendetta against against somebody because they gave you a look <laughs> that didn't quite sit right with you one time. <laughs> I have, I would have 95,000 enemies by now if that were the case. <laughs> no, literally. I don't know. But this is why I started, I stopped having one-sided beef with people and I stopped like trash talking because I'm like, you're giving somebody so much energy and they literally don't care. You stopped trash talking? Yes. I vent, but I don't like... So then we go back to Lynette and Claire. <laughs> Claire. Lynette <laughs> wants Claire to get the kids to eat Brussels sprouts. She's kind of setting Claire up at this point. And Claire is like, oh, I have a special trick for Brussels sprouts. I just soak veggies in cheese. And Lynette, who did that earlier or earlier in the episode, is like, oh, good idea. <laughs> you sly dog. <laughs> <laughs> you sly dog. You yeah. sly dog. And then Lynette immediately goes to watch this play out on her shabby little TV. And the kids are throwing their temper tantrums. They're having conniptions over these Brussels sprouts, which, you know what? Drenched in cheese and perhaps grilled, delicious, okay? I love they just, a Brussels sprout. They have no taste. Well, Lynette probably, she's not a chef. Lynette needs to have Brie make them because Brie would make an amazing Brussels sprout because she probably just like microwaves frozen Brussels sprouts. That's gross. There's a reason why they call her Brussels sprout Brie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to put Brussels sprouts in the photo dump. <laughs> Me too. Oh my God. Brussels sprout Brie will make Brussels sprout Brie bracelets. Brussels sprout Brie bracelets, Brussels sprout Brie bracelets, Brussels, Brussels sprout Brie bracelets. If you say it three times, she appears in the mirror. <laughs> BSB. But like, why does Lynette watch? Like, I, she just like is enjoying to watch Claire suffer. And I'm like, that's a little weird to me. Like you hire this employee and you don't want her to do well. Maybe you've just consider firing her. I think it's a control thing for Lynette because even if yeah. she's not in the room, just having that connection to watch makes her feel like she has some influence over the situation it was just crazy I feel bad for Claire like she left her other abusive boss just for this one to be like kind of worse at least Lynette isn't outwardly abusive I guess you sly dog <laughs> then we see Rex in the hospital he wakes up Thank and Bree is there and she says, I'm so glad you didn't die <laughs> because there are things I need to tell you. And she leans in real close. I wrote Brie go off because she says, I am going to take away your money, your family, and your dignity. She's going to destroy Rex. Wait, is Rex a cardiologist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love irony. <laughs> irony is a dish best served cold. 
<laughs> like he had to go in and all of his coworkers had to work on him and he was probably like I hate this guy <laughs> this guy's oh, the worst I oh, hate man. this guy <laughs> it's kind of like oh my god in Grey's Anatomy when they killed off Patrick Dempsey I can't I still can't even talk about it Derek Shepard and he was a neurologist and they killed him with like a really bad brain injury that only like he knew how to it was actually a very good episode like it was like his voiceover being like no why are you doing this why are you doing he's like in a coma <gasps> but it's his voiceover going you should be doing this you should be doing that yeah you can it was see actually my chills. Really good. it was really good well well written I'm really mad that it happened but like looking back that was cool um but anyway yeah Rex is a cardiologist Bree was giving me chills when she was when she was doing this she's like You're going to be nothing when I'm finished with you. Women stay winning. Anyway, mm-hmm. the last montage, we see Gabby go to get Carlos's passport just where he said that everything would be. She gets the papers. Lynette leaves the kids with Claire the nanny. And Bree, as promised, goes into the lawyer. We also see Edie being Barbie. In- I wrote that too. <laughs> She looks so good. She looks so good trying to get into Martha's house. Um, And then we see Gabby burning the passport, which is really crazy to do. Like she could have just left it in the safe and been like, I can't find it. But to fully burn somebody's passport, she said, you're not getting away with this one, Carlos Solis. (laughs) You know what also was really good about this episode? There was no John Rowland. Yes, I agree. There was something so enjoyable about not seeing John Rowland on my screen. It was very relaxing. We saw so much Mike Delfino and no John Rowland. I think the mathematical equation is that happiness is proportional, directly proportional to more Mike Delfino, less John Rowland. I agree. It's like tipping the scales. I'm surprised I've never slapped you in the face. What? <laughs> I'm just surprised I, neither of us have ever. I, I'm just surprised that that's not a thought that stayed in your head. I'm just surprised <laughs> neither of us have ever hit. We've been friends for so long. You've, you've never, never hit each other. That's true. That's true. That's crazy. Okay, anyway, that's our episode. Um, This one seemed to fly by. It did. It was good. Again, yes, Mike. No, John. Yes, Mike. <laughs> Mike, no, no John. <laughs> Bring back Bree. Bring back Bree. Join us next week, you guys. I am going to be down under next week. So we're going to try to figure out what to do. We will probably pre-record the next episode if we have time. Um, you might get a surprise this week. We'll figure it out. But until then, follow us on Instagram. We are going to tell TikTok. We are going to tell Pod. Facebook is in the description box as well as our Patreon, which will one day be set up. Yes, join our Facebook group so we can all chat and have our own little community. Yeah, we want to hang out over there, you guys. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, come on, please. (laughs) Please. And until next time, I'm Summer Moran. I'm Christy Gomez. 
And this has been... We know what you did. It makes us sick. We're going to tell. Bye. Goodbye.